Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that looks at football doing a rainbow laces campaign and realises that, for all heavy metal, problems with anti-LGBT prejudice, it could be so much worse. Um, speaking of which, have you seen any of the god-awful shit about Tom Allen appearing on um, Sky Sports live no. football coverage? I'll be honest, I, and this is probably the gayest thing I can say right now. The only thing I've seen about Tom Allen recently is that he hosted the Attitude Awards. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, um, Tom Allen is generally wonderful. However, he was absolutely not the right guy picked for this because basically absolutely reinforces all the stereotypes about gay men you could possibly imagine. And what football needs is people who shit all over those stereotypes. So what they needed was someone who came on and was like able to articulate things about football you know, show a clear understanding of the offside law. Appreciate why <laughs> Charlton have been successful at home. You know, things like that. But instead, it was just, oh, he's bald. It looks like me. And you just go, that's, that's really not doing anything. Yeah, it's sure. not what we need right here. It's funny no. that it triggers the homophobes. That's quite amusing. I understand why that's it, that has entertainment value. But, oh. Bit of a just, step back, if anything. Yeah. Oh, Tom. Like, the thing that defeats homophobia is always people realising things they always assumed were wrong and just saying, hello, here's a flouncing camp guy. Yeah, he's camper than camp, sport. really, isn't he? Yes. Um, and, you know, what we need is people who, you know, can make it safe to come out in football. And I, I somehow yeah. doubt that uh, there are that many people who hate football <laughs> and know nothing about it who, you know, have his sense of fashion who are you know, wishing they could be professional footballers and can't come out. I was going to say, I think he probably does also dress too well for most football fans. Yes, he, I mean, he, judging by most footballers' Instagrams as well, he seems to dress too well for most footballers. <laughs> Quite possible, yeah. <laughs> anyway, before we get started, uh, there's going to be a mention of Brighton late in, in this podcast, and I'd just like to say for Adam, if you're listening, I'd love to see a ghost show at Brighton because uh, we've heard about the elf on the shelf, but I'd much prefer Ghost on the Coast. Oh, you've absolutely done him there. <laughs> there will so be much very better than his honestly there will be very few people who uh know what that is but uh we, someone we know was trying to come up with a uh elf on the shelf meme involving ghost and uh neither of us thought the one he came up with was was that marvelous and, i just uh, didn't get it i spent ages trying to figure that one out yeah i i mean i i went absolutely off into the weeds and was thinking is it, is it is this a pun, pun on you know Cardinal Copia or Papa Emeritus or? Yeah, for the record, it was a it was a Photoshop picture of Ghost sat on the shoulder of Chance the Rapper. So yeah. I think Papa on a rapper, but it could have been anyone. Yeah, but it it depends on your accent because if you say Papa on the rapper like me, that's like me. It's like they don't rhyme. It would be like <laughs> me calling you Jay. Right. It's Jay. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway, me. I- enough about internet memes. There's there's plenty of time for you know. <laughs> that later uh yes this is uh hellbent for metal the lgbt plus heavy metal podcast i am tom and joining me as always is a man who's an expert on death metal but doesn't share my enthusiasm for the sport uh but he uh might be persuaded to share my appreciation for that classic photo of jimmy anderson stuart broad and sir alistair cook wearing nothing but smiles and cricket bats uh mr joe Nan, how are you doing sir <laughs> i'm good i'm not aware of that photo i, I may to have to office. search that out yeah we'll have a, you won't have to we'll search have i have it on my phone it's, it's safe <laughs> it's safe for any any moment is it your wallpaper be honest it's, it's not my wallpaper but only because it's too low res um 
but uh, you know, it, 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 I have um, I have enjoyed that one many times. It's it's something I like to bring out and show people for comic effect if I hear they're into cricket, um, which happens quite often. Um, other, moving on from uh, the sport before I <laughs> lose swiftly. Joe's interest entirely. It doesn't uh, usually take long. Yeah, I mean, the moment we stop talking about men wearing virtually nothing, I think I've 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 kind of lost you. Uh, as bit. ever, if you are part of the LGBT plus community and you help make heavy metal happen, uh, and you'd like your voice to be heard, uh, please do get in touch with us. Uh, our contacts are tom.hbfm at gmail.com if you want to email or if you're a millennial type or even younger uh, we are at hbfm pod on twitter our dms are open uh, although mine and joe's personally aren't we'll just ignore you if you dm us so i wouldn't i really will yeah uh, i'm probably to be honest given how good my note notification settings are i probably won't see it until 2022 so you know that's also an issue, yeah. Not massively helpful for you. Uh, but in that vein, uh, we begin this week with our second In My Kingdom queer. Uh, and this is normally where we would talk to one of those people who make heavy metal happen. Uh, but in this case, it's slightly different. Uh, this is Charlie, who's a gay trans man and a complete died in the wall metalhead who I've interacted with a lot on Twitter in the past. Uh, and for reasons I hope should become apparent pretty quickly, uh, we felt we should present his voice to you so a couple of weeks he and i had a chat so to start off with um we're talking to you because you sent out a really important uh perspective in response to our chat about being out at gigs um and rather than put into me trying to put into summary what you said how would you describe your experience of of being out at a metal show um being out at a metal show for me being out as trans specifically has pretty much never been an issue um and i don't know if that's just that so many people at metal shows are completely unaware of like trans people um, or I think when I go to shows in Brighton, which is where I live, and go to a reasonable chunk of the shows I go to, um, they are aware of it, but to the point that, again, they know about trans people and aren't transphobic, essentially. Um, the main venue in Brighton that I go to which is Green Door Store for anyone who's in Brighton. Um, they have gender neutral toilets as well, which helps. And also means you get really funny things where you will walk into the toilet and there will be a girl doing makeup in the mirror and there will be a guy from one of the bands doing corpse paint in the same mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is something I saw last year. Um, Do they give each other tips? No, it was just sort of silently stood next to each other doing makeup. Oh, that's a shame. I was hoping they'd be swapping uh, advice on things. Yeah, I wish they were. Yeah. But yeah, I've not really had issues with being trans, particularly. I've had some odd comments about being gay. I've been there with... Normally I'm there with my partner. Um, the weirdest comment I've had about being gay was the one show I went to last year without my partner. 
which was a very strange guy who saw a rainbow badge on my jacket and decided to ask lots of questions about it. And I really just wasn't sure if he was completely ignorant of what rainbows badges meant, which would be weird given that it's Brighton, or if he was just trying to start a fight or maybe doing the world's worst job of flirting. Um, but just being like, oh, what's this badge for? What band does this symbolise? I was like, it's not it's not banned. And do you find that, um, I'm just to, to to very quickly focus on one thing, do you find that the gender-neutral toilet is actually a really welcoming thing? Just makes everything easier for everyone? Uh, yeah, generally, in especially in a lot of other parts of my life, the existence of gender neutral toilets, especially when I was very early into having come out as trans, very helpful because you don't have the fear of walking into a toilet and going, is there going to be a bloke in here who turns around and goes, you're not supposed to be in here and starts a fight with you? Or, you know, even not starts a fight, but just makes rude comments or makes you feel unsafe in any way. So when there's a gender neutral toilet, people aren't expecting someone of a certain gender who looks a certain way to walk in um so that does normally help um i find that's particularly good at festivals as well because obviously i say obviously all the toilets are gender neutral but last year at download all of the arena toilets weren't for some reason i think it was last year um but immediately i think everyone went well there's mud everywhere so we'll just go to the toilet with the least mud yeah, seems a fairly safe tactic. And to, to, yeah. to bring it back to the 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 people don't seem to always know about the existence of trans people. Do you find that that means that people are perhaps a it's a, it's although the questions are, are different. I think one thing that seems to be common to most areas of the LGBT community is that the moment someone finds out you're LGBT, the chance that they will ask a question that if it was to be asked to a cis straight person that would be inappropriate they feel that they can ask you do you find that that's something that happens at shows or have you managed largely to avoid that at shows that has as far as i can remember not been something that's come up i think the strangest interactions i might have had with someone was one very sweet guy who i'm now friends with very nervously asking if me and my boyfriend were in fact a couple. Um, but beyond that, not really bothering to ask any extra questions. People at shows have not asked me weird questions. People in the rest of my life definitely have. I think that's when I kind of tweeted about my experience in reaction to the what you and Joe were talking about on the podcast. I said I feel safer at a metal show than in a gay bar toilet because a lot of drunk cis gays in gay bars in particular will ask those kinds of very invasive questions. And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not there asking you about like your genitals or anything or like whether you've had surgery or stuff like that, um, but not really getting those questions at metal shows. 
So in a in a strange way, despite the fact that on paper it might seem not the kind of thing that you'd identify with this label, but it, in a way, then metal shows can be more of a safe space than places that are supposed to be safe spaces. Yeah, I've definitely found that. I think that might also be specifically very much like a transgender man experience. I think the fact that the general metalhead is, you know, the default stereotype for metalhead is number one, a man does help um, in that way, because people are expecting, oh, you're at a metal show, you're probably a man, you dress like a man, you're probably a man. Whereas I think in other parts of society that people aren't expecting that. So somehow they're more questioning. Does it, because the part of the reason that I, what you said made me start thinking very quickly and, and think, hmm, maybe we should have a chat, um, is that one of the experiences that, you know, a lot of gay men have is gay cis men specifically is people will start asking inappropriate questions about how your relationship works. And sometimes it's it's just kind of very rigid idea of gender role stuff. So, oh, you know, who's who does the, the woman things around the house? Who does the man things around the house? And to most gay couples, you know, both whatever, whatever uh, gender identities are involved most of them will say well we don't we, we, that, it doesn't work that way there isn't a, you know, a woman role in the house but sometimes people also ask um, inappropriate questions about what happens in the bedroom that you would never dream of asking to a cis straight couple because you would just go well that's incredibly inappropriate I'm not going to ask that and it, the re- it annoyed me <laughs> that people that I consider part of my community were asking questions that they should know better than to ask. So did it is that a particularly galling thing for you to have gone through? Because it was you know, it didn't have to be and I was annoyed by it. Yeah. Often with kind of cis, gay, lesbian, bi, basically LGBT people who aren't trans, sometimes when they ask questions, it is very much like a you should know so much better than this. You've experienced people asking you invasive questions, but you haven't somehow realised that you're doing the exact same thing. Well, that's, that's shitty. That's just annoyed yeah. me, and it just didn't even happen to me. But moving on to to happier things, we've I'm sure you've heard us speaking on the pod about things that we've seen with a a queer perspective and gone. I don't think we're looking at this quite the same way as cis straight members of the heavy metal community are seeing this what are the things that that you've particularly seen that you've got thought i think i might be looking on this slightly differently to some of the other people in the room that's a good question also kind of funny because this week you just had the episode where you talked about catatonia yes and for me they are my favorite band but i think i read a lot of their songs in a very tr- like trans masculine way, which I don't believe that that's the intention at all. Um, but they kind of read that way to me. 
and I'm just projecting all of my feelings onto those songs. But it helps. <laughs> and what's the, if, if you like, the the best experience you've had in in heavy metal was of someone being uh, affirming or, or, or being a, a very um, vocal or visible ally? That's a good question. I would probably say like on a really big level, I think ghosts are really good at making everyone feel welcome and being supportive of a lot of people, especially queer people, because I know a hell of a lot of queer people who love Ghost. Yeah, I would say it's definitely Ghost. And are there any that have been kind of any on a on a slightly smaller level, something that someone just just locally has done to say, you know, we're we're with you. You're so you're welcome here. Are there any examples of that? Yeah, when went to uh, Damnation last year, we were watching Dawn Raid, and they specifically said that they were supporting trans people and trans rights, and I don't know that hit quite hard in a very "I'm so happy you've said that" kind of way. Is that partially because it's something that's just not said very often by and particularly by black metal bands yeah pretty much um it's not said often and i think also because i've been to leeds twice i wasn't really sure i'm not i don't feel as safe there as i do in brighton for instance or even in london so that kind of i think maybe had just a slightly bigger impact from it being somewhere where i wasn't sure about and what do you feel are the the things that could happen within heavy metal to to make it a more, a more welcoming space for for people like you and me? I think just for people in bands, especially bands who have a much bigger platform, um, if they would be vocal and upfront about it without necessarily, you know, I don't want anyone. I wouldn't want anyone in a big band to be talking over people, but to just say, I support these marginalised people. You know, I, I'm going to make sure that you feel welcomed and safe. Because it's really good when small bands do that, especially on the extreme metal side, because that's sometimes less tolerant. But I think if really big bands were louder about it that would have probably a bigger impact on the metal scene overall thank you so much to charlie for talking to us that really was an experience we really wanted to make sure was heard uh, and for obvious reasons it's it's just something we can't talk about well uh, or really at all because it's not our story so we shouldn't uh, so we're very very grateful to you for that uh, we will have some more in my Kingdom quiz for you very shortly. We've got quite a few lined up for episodes in the future, so uh, they will be coming up very soon. And we move on from there to that bit of the show where we talk about what music we're into right now. Uh, and as before, we're trying to get in stuff that we won't be able to talk about in this depth when we do our album of the year lists. Uh, but by coincidence, we're both actually doing stuff stuff on the same label this week uh before you ask no it's not joe's one um 
Last week, <laughs> I mostly shared Joe's enthusiasm for his pick, but he really didn't agree with me on mine at all. Uh, I somehow don't think that scene's going to be repeated this week. Um, Joe's selection this week is Black Madnet's debut album, Hallucination Scene. Uh, Joe, I've been waffling for ages. Save the listeners and, and tell us why you're nuts about this. Um, so basically, it's a 25-minute long industrial metal record that came out on the label 20 Bucks Spin, which, if you're not familiar, put out almost exclusively sort of underground, cavernous death metal stuff, which I absolutely adore, if you hadn't picked up on already. You kept but it it's quiet. The sort of, yeah, I tr- you know, I try, I try. Uh, but it's the sort of thing where when they do something else, when they sign something else, put out something else, it really piques your interest because you have to think, okay, what is it about this that made you made them take interest? It usually means it's going to be quite violent and intense and this is uh it's it's 25 minutes long i don't know if i've already mentioned that uh and basically it's just like pummeling for the almost the entire thing my only downside is the lyrical content is a bit naff at points but it's also the kind of record where i sort of couldn't care less what he's talking about because it's just what do you mean when you say naff as in a bit juvenile at points <laughs> a bit uh vitriol by numbers yeah it's a bit let me write down the words that will piss people off which i find quite often with industrial like it's a it's a bit on the nose sometimes it's a little bit i've listened to quite a lot of trent Reznor's music and uh, that's been a significant influence on my lyrics i was about life, to say it's a bit trent Reznor. when trent Reznor. trent Reznor. trent Reznor's. look i'm not going to be one of those people that shits on nine inch nails because actually nine inch nails are a band that i this year properly delved into and went oh yeah they're they're a lot better than i thought they were but they have some moments of not great and there are points of this that make you go uh you could have spent a bit more time on those lyrics or a bit more time on you know the subject matter i suppose but if like me you're someone that kind of just wants a burst of of quite intense and quite relentless essentially noise it it works quite nicely for me it's sort of a halfway house between a lot of the more straightforward but still heavier stuff that nine inch nails do and something like youth code that's just really full-on and abrasive and endlessly caustic yeah and my my reading of it was if trent had been in into music that's about 10 times more angry than this they may have sounded like this um, yeah, there is like there's always a slightly kind of it's quite difficult to make industrial music that doesn't kind of make you think about shagging in some description or other, and like it's like sometimes it's sometimes <laughs> if it's really like metallic industrial it might not, but I generally almost never think of shag when I listen listen to music, but with industrial it's there's always a kind of edge to it. It's always a bit seedy. It's always a bit seedy. It always <laughs> makes you think of clubs that have you know not really been mopped for quite long enough. Yeah, I was about to say haven't been wiped down properly. <laughs> yeah, um, and it and this very much has that. Um, yeah, it does. So, but but it's 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 slightly kind of sexual edge is is really creepy. It's like it's it's not. And I'm not. I'm casting those versions about the the guy who made it, but it's it's it it sounds like it's designed to sound slightly menacing. It's quite sinister. And when you put like menacing and kind of slightly sexual next to each other, the the effect is quite unsettling in a way that's very particular. Am I reading? Am I being that kind of like guy on the internet who likes metal? 
reading too much into this because I'm. Um, I don't know. It's honestly, I hadn't really had that in mind. I sort of listened to it and went, oh, the lyrics are a bit silly. And then from that point kind of went, probably shouldn't pay attention to those that much sort of thing. Like I'm quite, I'm someone that can quite easily look past lyrics unless they're like really overwhelmingly bad. Like that Kanye West song where he starts talking about a pooper scoop. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you any, later. It's horrendous. No, no, please don't. I, I try and avoid <laughs> Kanye West wherever possible. I'll stick it in my album of the year list, even though I think it came out two years ago and it's just one song. And this is the um, final episode of Hellbent for Men. <laughs> it's really dreadful. But uh, yeah, I'm someone that can quite easily look past lyrics because I, I'm just mostly there for the music most of the time. Or yeah. more so, I'm there for the vocal delivery or the vocal attack or the the rhythm or the flow or that kind of thing i prefer listening to vocals as an instrument as opposed to a means of putting across a message a lot of the time and for me in this record the vocals are kind of just another percussive instrument because it is just like he's very it's that kind of shouting not screaming very punchy goes along with the drum machine and the you know the really pulsing electronic industrial sections and yeah, it's just it's just very like if this was longer than twenty five minutes, I think I'd hate it. <laughs> yeah, but it fits quite nicely into just like a short, sharp blast of just if you want something that's really just gonna smash your face, pump in. you up, and make you feel either really energized or completely bereft of <laughs> life. Then this will probably do one of them. I think the vocals actually, I have to, the the vocal attack is something that you really notice, and there's like there's mm. bits where he sounds almost like kind of. He's not he's not rapping at any point, but his his rhythmic sense is is slightly Zach de la Rocca. And there was that one bit yeah. I think in Crush Me, uh, which reminded me intensely of Sleep Now in the Fire, which is like that's a good comparison to be yeah. having, right? If we're comparing that's it to what Zach, you want. that's you know you're doing something right. Um, I think musically though, the the two things it reminded me of one was a band called Crown, who um have an, I thought had an album this year that I'd missed, which I was gutted about and went looking for, and then I found it. No, uh, Metal Archive's just made a mistake. It's out next year. Um, uh, but it's, they were they're a, a French sort of industrial doom band whose first album was much more punishingly electronic than the second, which was a bit more conventionally doomy. But it, the first album, Psychurgy, is just like this really pounding, it's kind of mind-fucking industrial metal that's really brutally heavy, like has obviously listened to Godflesh quite a lot, but decided, what if we made it pounding rather than grinding, um, which is cool. But the thing that it reminded me most of um, is a band called Corrections House. Have you heard them? I haven't. I know the name. I haven't they're, listened. They're one of Scott Kelly's many supergroups. Uh, Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Uh, and it's him, uh, Bruce from Yakuza, uh, Mike Nine Williams from uh, I Hate God, uh, and a guy called Sanford Parker, who is mostly known as a producer, but is also a musician in his own right, who did an awful lot of the, the electronics and sampling and, and kind of a, lot, a lot of the more industrial side of the, the band. And obviously you've got Scott Kelly doing the riffs. Uh, and there's it like that's really tortured and twisted. They, that is one of the f- ones where you go, yeah. There's nothing sexual about this at all. There, it's a, there's industrial, but there's no shagging. This is it's like absolute dystopian future. And there's this there's quite a lot of use of spoken word, and there's this brilliant like spoken word poem uh, called "Dirt Poor and Mentally Ill in the Middle." Uh, where which is kind of spoken and then it's shouted. So if you can imagine Mike Nine Williams doing spoken word and then doing Mike Nine Williams shouty shouty doing exactly the same poem or back from the top it's terrifying um, I can imagine. And, and the reason the the reason uh the comp- i 
this comparison is is probably happening is that Samford Parker produced this record. He oh, produced Hallucination. I didn't know team. that. Yeah, I, I I looked it up and went. That's probably why there's a, there's kind of a sonic link between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're underselling this. This is fucking brilliant. I thought you hated it. No, I just <laughs> I listened to this in about thirty seconds. I was going, "This is a mate like it's danceable oh. as hell and terrifying." Yeah, yeah he it's sounds really awesome. like he wants to kick the living shit out. Oh of me. god, you told me you had opinions, and I thought you were just going to yeah. come on and go, "This is stupid." And I was no, going, oh, no, no. I think this is absolutely amazing. I'm, oh, it's brilliant. so good. Yeah, I'm it's nuts. so into it. Like immediately, just like you know, when you feel yourself, you're sitting in a chair, but you still find yourself start moving involuntarily, yeah. and it's not just your foot tapping or your head nodding. It's kind of it's like multi limb movement. I had that on track two of the first. <laughs> I, it's so like incredibly heavy. It's so yeah. good. It's it's similar. Like I was actually going to touch on something you said where you brought up that Godflesh influence on uh, that band Crown. And I always think this is, it has a bit of Godflesh about it, but it isn't street cleaner Godflesh. It's more no. like uh, selfless Godflesh. Yes. Where it's, it's a bit more polished and a bit cleaner, but for that, it almost feels heavier because it, it feels like, as opposed to like someone's fist covered in blood and wrapped in barbed wire punching you in the chest, it is an iron gauntlet slamming down on you. And Godflesh are gritty as fuck, and this is very sterile. This is kind of. That, clean as clean can yeah. be. This is like your perfectly, you know, quaffered jackboot stamping on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of bands this would almost sound overproduced, but for this it really works. Yeah. It's 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 terrifying. It's it's yeah. so good. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm completely like bowled over by it. It's great. Oh, that makes me so happy. I was so nervous coming into this. <laughs> No, like the moment you combine those two things, as long as it's well done, you've got me. It's yeah. Like the, I was so nuts about Corrections House, and I still want them to come back and, and do a third record because both of the ones they brought out were fucking excellent. And I'm really longing for a new Crown record. So for, to have this like remind me of how much I want those two bands to do more stuff was fantastic. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I think I think it does have that thing where it's, although it feels angry and horrible and sinister it's never enough that after it you're going to be feeling like although earlier i said it might make you feel a bit bereft of emotion i don't think it's ever going to make you feel like down or miserable or like because it's so it's upbeat is the wrong word because it's just fast but it's 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 like watching sick of it so energetic it's like watching a really good hardcore or grime band uh, or really you know a really kind of really pumping death metal bands you know so not something where it's just all like up running up and down frets but where you, there's like some gap between the riffs so it's, it's like that it's just you feel really energized and really strong yeah. afterwards like it's an amazing. adrenaline rush yeah yeah it's like watching slayer there we go i've just yeah. compared i've just compared a band i'm pretty sure kerry king will hate to slayer <laughs> uh and um, before i you know, upset a heavy metal legend we should probably move on from that but seriously fucking listen to that album it's great um from there, we'll move on to my pick, which uh, is is Terminal Nation with Holocene Extinction, uh, who are a uh, death metal... They call themselves death metal slash hardcore, which is sort of right, because they're not a death grind band, but they incorporate an awful lot of bits of hardcore. So it's not like... Don't expect it to be a little bit of you know death metal and then a little bit of 
hate breed because you're going to get your head taken off. It's more kind of crust, power violence, and grind than that. Um, they're from Little Rock, Arkansas, and they are very much left of center. I think it's safe to say they are anti-capitalist, anti-fascist, and God, can you tell from the lyrics? Um, so they must have a fun time in Little Rock, Arkansas, because that is <laughs> deep red state territory. Um, and they've been around f- for bloody ages. They've done like two splits, two, an EP and two splits in the course of the f- last five years. But this is their debut. Um, and it's absolutely raging. Um, I, I'm not even going to try and build any tension. Joe, you're with me on this completely, right? I fucking love this band so much oh my fucking god they're amazing they're so good (laughs) and this is basically the gush 20 minutes of the show uh they sound like there are some bits that sound like bolt throwers so obviously both of us going yep we're on board yeah um sold uh and the title (laughs) track really does kind of occasionally make me start thinking world eater um but there's also some gloriously asphyxy riffs. And you know, the moment I'm kind of thinking, oh, that sounds a bit like Scorbutics, you're you're doing well with me. Um mm-hmm. But ultimately the the thing that really wins it is that they're so full of personality. They aren't just plugging into the kind of this sits off my asphyx and bolt thrower, you know, happy places. They it I want them. I don't want like I don't want just asphyx light or bolt thrower light or or hail of bullets. I particularly don't want that. I want that. I just want Terminal Nation, and I I want them to go and do another album basically immediately. Please, they're so full of personality. Yeah, it's fucking great. They have that thing that you get with quite a few metal bands, which uh, this is gonna sound bizarre. You get with quite a few metal bands, which I think is why that kind of natural crossover between metal and hip hop has always sort of worked. But you rarely get with death metal bands where it feels quite street level. It feels yes. quite. Um, it's not steeped in metaphors and it's not talking about the devil and yada 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 it's very real it's all very real all the lyrics are very blunt very on the nose all kind of addressing various things have happened throughout the year whether that's the pandemic or police brutality or it's it's all very political to be honest yeah it's it's... very political but it's all it's not kind of abstract marxism or 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 theoretical anarchism you know it's not it isn't Rage Against the Machine, where you know it, there are plenty of people who've listened to that and not realised what the hell they're talking about. It's all talking <laughs> about very specific, real-life issues that affect people, not about we support a political movement or a party or anything like that. It's all kind of, it, you know, we are basically worked for, you know, people in America are essentially worked for less money than they can live on so that rich people can make money like it's it's that kind of shit it's you have you are fucked by the system because you are poor or you've been or you've you've been convicted of a crime and now you are essentially you know shoved in prison forever it's that kind of stuff rather than any kind of you know we are democrats please vote (laughs) for joe biden it's not that it's 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 about people yeah it's very much sort of a voice of the voiceless kind of thing. Yeah. It's it feels like it's making a stand for people that might not necessarily feel like they can. Um yeah. and that's I mean I think that's fucking great. I'm not one of these people that thinks you should keep politics out of music because I think it's a I think they're kind of interwoven. Um and I think this is a fucking amazing example of how you can make a record that is absolutely mind-blowingly visceral. 
because of the fact that you have because it's it's the passion that's behind it all stan's vocals on this are he never has that thing in a lot of death metal where you have absolutely no idea what he's saying no you, you can, can hear, hear what most every of word saying, yeah. pretty much apart from when he does the really scattergun parts where it goes super fast and he's just kind of ripping through lines as fast as is humanly possible then it gets a bit confusing but even but for then the it's, most not, part... it's not like listen to archspire who are just like no. sta- so <laughs> no. staggeringly quick that he could be you know repeating your own name 30 times and you still wouldn't make it out it's like the, you can still pick out bits of it you can get the gist of what he's saying yeah that's where the hardcore comes from for me it's it's the uh it's early hardcore it's the punky side of hardcore yeah, where it's, it's black fast, flag yeah. and it's yeah and it's it's punky and it's violent and it's in your face and you don't necessarily know exactly what he's saying. Yeah, at the same time, you know exactly what he's saying. You've got the message. You just don't know the exact words sort of thing. Yeah. But, but even if you didn't, oh, so good. even if you didn't, it's it's still really catchy and epic. It's got that, it kind of like, it sounds very different, but it achieves the same thing that cattle decapitation sound, which is that it's incredibly heavy and aggressive, but it's still very, very epic and memorable. Uh, yeah. They don't use clean vocals or clean in inverted commas the way cattle decap <laughs> too and it's you know there's nowhere near as much grind to it it's much more kind of it's big fat riffs big chunks with gaps in between them which is much more kind of early you know gnarly death metal rather than modern you know quite much more technical much more aggressive stuff it's it's more kind of it's more autopsy than it is uh aborted or anything like that and it, it just is so immediately memorable. Like I can remember o- almost all the songs of the album after a very short space of time. This album's only a few months old, so it's not like I've been living, listening to this all year. And I can still basically immediately pick out which song is which, which is yeah. it's super fast. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing to do. No, not with music been... like this. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it's it's... Although, like what you said, that it's you know it's these huge chunky riffs with these big moments of of empty space that kind of emphasise the riffs even more. It's still pretty dense. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um. But it's just it's just done so well. This was a similar. So this also came out in Twenty Bucks Spin, as we mentioned earlier. And this was one where the singles started to come out, and even from when the first single came out, my entire Twitter feed was just ablaze with people being like this is going to be one of the best albums of the year. And you see a lot of people saying that about, you know, you'll hear a song from an album and people go, this is going to be the best album of the decade. And you go, eh, I don't know, maybe wait for the record. Yeah. But with this, it just felt different. Everyone was on board immediately. Biggest example I ever saw of that was when Trivium released Down From The Sky from Shogun and everyone went, oh my God, this is going to be the moment they become the next Metallica. And then the album <laughs> came out and they went, and that's the best song by really, really long distance. And I still like that record, but... I am so against you on that one, but let's not go oh, into okay. that. <laughs> Put it this the way, record people... is a lot more complex than that song. It It is, but... It's very much the case that that is far and away the catchiest, most memorable thing on the album. Yeah, easily. Yeah, and that if you're sure. go- if you're going to stick two songs in a playlist from the album, it's going to be that and Shogun. Probably, yeah. Because uh, as as good as like um, into the mouth of hell we march and Kirish Dagoman are, they're just they're just nowhere near the same class. It's like you know, it's like a Wolf of Man and and then the Sandman difference. It's like one's one of the best metal songs of its time, and the other one's kind of quite good. 
We'll come back to that at a later date. Thank you, <laughs> Before we uh, ruin what's been you know, a very um, mutual appreciation society section, uh, we should probably finish the gushing there and move on uh, just for now. Uh, we will be back to do the same amount of enormous gushing next week when we will do the first part of our album of the year stuff. We finished this week on possibly the least likely camp classic of them all, uh, because this time around it's the weird noises and healed facial piercings of Disturbed and their song Facade, which is the closing track to their 2008 album Indestructible. Uh, Joe, at the risk of finding myself with a lot of apologising to do at making you listen to them, uh, where do you stand on Mad David Raymond and co? I have the biggest soft spot for this band. Um, they're not and a band relief. I actually. <laughs> they're not a band I actually listen to anymore, pretty much at all. I will maybe once a year go. Oh God, remember when I used to really love Disturbed? But they were one of the first metal bands I got into uh, when I was probably much too old to be obsessing over this band in the way that I did. Um, Whereas yeah, I got it's... into them on the sickness when it was new and well, was, there you go. Was kind of of the right age exactly. <laughs> I I was. Uh, I was I was actually younger than you when were when you got into music, put it that way. Yeah, well, yeah, this was I was listening to this probably when I was 16, 17 and being like, yes, I was I younger. I love it. Back. I love it. Uh yeah, I it's it's silly, but it's fun. It's really fun, apart from when they're naff, when they're really naff. But when it's fun, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, like I have to say although I am there are at least 3 disturbed records I will stick up for as records, not just like singles. Uh I there are anyone who is a disturbed fan who doesn't think they have done some real shit is deluded frankly like that's that's a level of of obsession that i th- i think is is not particularly healthy because <laughs> they have done some real stinkers you know it's it's not in a kind of you know there are multiple opinions about metallica's later work kind of thing they as in this is essentially sticking up for lulu Times. I mean, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that bad. Let's, <laughs> it's not that bad. But they have done stuff which has got you know more artistic merit than Lulu, even if you know it, Lulu was badly executed. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to the actual song, rather than just you know have a, an argument about one of the more divisive b- ma- bands in heavy metal's history, um, and they're still not on metal archives, which is very silly. Uh, Facade itself. Why, well, yeah. It can, considering it, the people behind that site, I can see why they would just go, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. But they they really silly and inconsistent about what, what they will say no to. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's the thing that, that bothers me about that place more than anything else. So there is stuff which is clearly metal. Like, I think it was it was only on uh, The Banished Heart that they allowed Oceans of Slumber in. Yeah, that's bizarre. Which is late. <laughs> particularly considering yeah. there was, you know, there was quite a lot of blast beats on the album before it. And, yeah. you know, they, they, they allowed Wardruna in almost immediately. Wardruna are not a metal band. No, never They're in be. no sense a metal band. But, that you know, they've somehow been allowed in. And then there's stuff like this, which is, you know, clearly using distorted guitars and metal riffs, even if you don't like it, that they go, nah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not cool enough, is it? No, it's uh, just, it's very strange. Anyway, yeah, moving on from my on. my issues with that weird p- little place. Um, facade itself, um, it's pretty clear that the song is about domestic violence, and that's not 
an unfamiliar lyrical angle for Disturbed. They've covered it many, many times. Uh, however, as I've said before, I've been Disturbed fan for way longer than is fashionable now. Um, and when it was brand new, uh, which was when I just got I got the album almost as soon as it came out and listened to this to it all the way through and this was at the end uh but because it was at the end and i was kind of wanting to move on to the next thing but then at first i wasn't really paying attention uh, and didn't really notice what most of the lyrics were about um and all i could really make out was the chorus because a lot of the verse is quite quick uh and to me i thought it was thought it was is he doing a song about being closeted which is still what i take from it when i hear the hear the chorus because the chorus although it does relate to the the verse immediately says yeah that sounds all very familiar Joe, am I am I completely insane? Was I no. was I smoking something strange that day? I wasn't beards, just the record. It's beards. Song about beards. <laughs> uh, oh dear. To to me, are we going to have to explain what a beard is? Possibly, yeah. So yeah, if you don't know, a beard is essentially when a uh, a, a closeted gay man will date or marry a woman to try and conceal the fact that they are closeted. And the woman in question would be the beard. And to me, this comes across as a song about um, uh, somebody. Not that it's something to laugh at. I don't know why I giggled. Um, it's not a lot of laughter in this song. I'm getting, like, we could have no, fun with Devon, but the amount of fun we can have with this is, is, is it limited. It is quite bleak. Um, but Power it does... Wolf, this is not. <laughs> yeah, no erections in sight, I'm afraid. Um, at least I hope not. Yeah, if there are for god's sake see a see a counselor please yeah have a sit down with yourself um <laughs> uh yeah it to me this sounds like a song about someone who's in the closet and is basically being told um that you you that essentially having a beard is a waste of time it's kind of what i picked up from it is that it's it's kind of a worthless endeavor that's uh, that's not beneficial to anyone i don't know if i if that's a jump or not but that's what i got from it <laughs> um I can see that. I, I I didn't get that myself, but it has to be said, I've listened to this song for a long time, and I have to say as well that it, it wasn't all that long before I first heard the song that I'd last had a beard. Um, so, you know, it's... it's. I can sort of see that. I think that the thing that has always vibed with me, though, is that the, the refrain in the chorus is um, uh, for how long... Have you tried how long until you walk away? Your facade can't disguise the fact that you're in misery, which doesn't rhyme very well. And if I'm going to criticise our friend for not being able to come up with a uh, misery, uh, uh, Papa, uh, Papa on the rapper, like uh, <laughs> meme, then <laughs> I think have we have to. Criti- I think we have to criticise David Draymond for the same thing. You know, it's it's only fair. Um, but I I've long heard that and gone. That sounds like. The experience of particularly when you're in the very early in the process of being of realizing that you're queer, a lot of people will recognize the experience that people can somehow seem to tell there's something different about you or there's just something amiss, even if actually you're all too young to really know what it means and that it applies to them. They just know it's something there's some that person is different to me. And it's why so many people from the LGBT community have stories about being bullied in childhood. And it's 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 a profoundly unhappy place to be, both because you often worry that everyone else can tell and everyone else seems to be able to tell because they're treating you a bit differently. And that's that's kind of what the you know, the, the you can't disguise the fact that you're in misery line 
has always reminded me of. Mm. No, I totally get that. I think I would probably interpret that as almost as, as you say, that kind of feeling of everyone else knows, everyone can see the thing I'm hiding sort of thing, which we have touched on before. It almost feels to me like maybe it's that one person who reaches out and goes, okay, yeah, we can tell that you're different, but gives you the kind of the the helping hand and kind of says, if that is true, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. We'll still love you the same. We'll, We'll accept it. To me, that's, it almost sounds like if this song has a narrator, for example, it's almost like the the narrator is the person saying, "You can just reach out." Like it's it's that hand reaching out saying, "Okay, yeah, there are there might be people out there who are bullying you for this sort of thing or who don't understand it, but I am one of the people that will kind of accept you for who you really are," sort of thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it as before this is almost certainly one of those situations where because the lyrics aren't particularly specific in a lot of their use of language so a lot of their nouns and verbs are quite generic there's more pronouns than names there's more um you know vague emotions rather than very specific emotions it's it's quite it's quite linguistically bland uh, which isn't a criticism at all. Often, you know, often that's a lyrical strength because it means you can project your experiences onto the song. And I am almost certainly projecting some of my experiences onto this. Um, but the, you know, the the one of the points that of of camp classics at all is that we're trying to get across the fact that our experience as queer people is perhaps slightly different in some areas than the rest of society and as a result our interpretation of songs is going to be slightly different so although it's you know it's again very definitely not what they're trying to write about um i think that that's kind of that's the takeaway for here is that to me this sounds like something else and even though it probably isn't that it's still very much you know my interpretation is is one yours is another so, uh, so I don't, i'm not suggesting that that says anything about you but you know in my case it definitely says something about me yeah i think it's it's less so a blank canvas and it's more like an outline that you can then fill in with yeah kind of what relates to you or how it makes sense to you as a person and your experiences and that sort of thing it's coloring in book pretty much which kind of works for disturbed in general <laughs> yes <laughs> it's simple and fun <laughs> yeah and you know it, it it's always helped disturbed when they are just they aren't writing something that's immediately um risible because yeah. we can't we can't get away from it there is an awful lot of disturbed which is very very silly and that they so tried to do silly. something that's serious and it's it just you're just going yeah but the monkey noise is dave and his voice in general, like that, that the tone that he has to his voice is just a bit. I don't know. It it just makes me chuckle. It makes me smile, which I like. But he does have a bit of a. It's. It sounds like someone trying to sing opera, but who's never been trained and has no idea how it works, and just going, "If I put on this kind of weird little voice, maybe it will work." Yeah, it, it's a very, very. It's it's an it's a very distinctive voice, isn't it? I mean, you couldn't. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of. It was kind of why that um, record that Trivium did with him sounded so 
strange because like you could, him, because you could you just went why does this sound odd oh it's because it's it that's clearly a david draymond hook and yeah. you know it, it's not him singing it and that that sounds odd as a result and it's it was very strange it was very strange i i actually like i i like that record it's all right but it is there's it, moments it, of there's a couple of really good songs on it yeah uh but the the david draymondisms weren't subtle it would you you couldn't not listen to remotely. it and, you couldn't listen to this and go oh I can't hear David Draymond's influence on this. <laughs> this sounds like all trivia because it doesn't, and no. you'd be disingenuous if you said it did. Um, but sometimes that's that's fun. That's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It's yeah. I mean, as we said, this particular song is quite dark. Yes, there is also a certain level of even when he's talking about the bleakest, most harrowing things, it's still him, <laughs> and it's still a bit. It's like there's a. I remember I used to love the song "Inside the Fire," which I think is a song about suicide, and yes, it I is. I still would just as much as it was dark and sad and all that sort of thing. It was it was still kind of fun, <laughs> which I kind of feel horrible saying, but they just have that sound that everything they do just has this kind of quite jovial thing to it it's a bit bizarre it's it's very much a we're going to do things that are quite dark but in a, in a very pg way yeah so that we so that you're gonna if you're if you don't really like this kind of music you can dip your toe in and not get offended if you do like this music you can still hang around because you know riffs and hooks but you're yeah. probably going to take that side of it a little bit less seriously so someone getting murdered in a Disney film. Yeah, I thought I I have to say like a lot of the seriousness of Disturbed and a lot of like my ability to pay all that much attention to what the songs are actually about and not just my own interpretation was ruined by him being on Twitter because he was <laughs> he was hysterically funny and not in a way yeah. a good way because it was it was the writing everything in capitals all, all caps. the time. <laughs> That's all I remember is he was just all caps all the time. It was so strange and particularly like when he would have an argument with people. Oh, I'd forgotten about when he used to have Twitter. That was a long time ago now. It was a long time ago, but it was hilariously funny. That was brilliant. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, there's that thing about don't meet your heroes. Well, sometimes that's bollocks. Sometimes, actually, the problem is not meeting heroes. The problem is them being on Twitter and you realizing their personality and what they're talking about in, in songs don't necessarily line up very well. Don't tweet your heroes. There you go. Yeah, and, and particularly it's when you've got someone who you know you think is like really cerebral and serious and 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 uh, uh, a great thinker, and then their Twitter feed is all fart gags, and yeah. it, and it's which is you know not common. I mean, I, there are bands, of course, who are quite overt about their sense of humour. Mm. Like I love, I have long, long had an enormous soft spot for Unearth because <laughs> of how completely no filtered they are. Yeah, like, and I, I have to say, before I ever did any work in the music industry ever, before I wrote for a blog, I had accidentally get, got drunk with Unearth once. Have I told <laughs> you this story? I haven't. This is a cool story. I'm going to tell it. They did a um a tour back in the day, which was one of the Metal Hammer package tours before I had anything to do with Hammer, long time before, where they were like I think bottom of a four band bill. I think it was. No, they weren't bottom. Bottom that day was Five Finger Death Punch, which tells you how long ago it was. Five Finger Death Punch opened and Unearth were above them. Uh, and they'd just done an album. I think it was um, three... Was it three in the eyes of fire? Possibly. That would sound about right for the time, I think. I might have been a bit later than that. I might be confusing it uh, with another one. Uh, no, it was The March. It was The March. Of course it was. Oh, um, amazing record. 
Yeah, really great record. Um, and they've like done this tour with uh as the package tour but part of the deal was that they couldn't do any headline shows until the tour was over um and they hadn't done any uk headline shows at all on that album and they were going back and they were probably going to do another record before they came back again and so they went fuck it let's see if we can just play a headline show and so they just did the bar fly in camden and they announced it like they played i think it was brixton on the saturday with um uh lamb of god and dimmu Borgir. They uh, and they announced the show live on stage, and they said the tickets can't go on sale until the morning. So tickets only went on sale at ten, and doors were at like seven. And it was just them, and there was like, only like fifty people showed up because such short notice, and there was no advertising at all. So it was only people who went to Brixton who would have known it was there because this was before you know the power of social media to drum up people is what it is now. So people just turn up, and it was like it was only them, and like some. Someone was uh, bringing uh, the band shots of, I think, tequila on a VHS copy of Return of the Jedi being used as a tray. <laughs> um, and the crowd was picking the set list because uh, they, oh. like, they, they hadn't played when they did Bricks and they hadn't played Giles, which at the time was like one of their biggest songs still. Um, and so they at one point um, they said, what do you want to hear now? We what do you want to hear? We've, we're running out of songs to play. What do you want to hear? Um, and, and everyone almost as one shouted, Giles! And they went, really? Yeah! Okay, we weren't going to play that. Here we go, and they just went into it, and that like happened That's a so bunch good. of times, and it was really cool. And the game gig finished at like ten o'clock, so I went and got a little bit pissed afterwards and hung out with the the drummer, the bass player, and briefly the singer. And they were they're really cool guys, and I've always had a soft spot with them since because that was just such an awesome thing to do and such a cool thing to happen, just like in a really relaxed way. That I just went, yeah, you're you're real. But they have never hidden the fact that they do like incredibly stupid things, like tie big cans of beers to their hands and you have to finish them both before you can have a pee and that and that buzz mcgrath regularly gets one of his balls out that, that's his thing he will try and get into a photo with one of his balls hanging through his flies because he has he's a very small man with very big balls and i've you know f- for obvious reasons i've never been uh particularly averse to that particular gag <laughs> where do we go from here uh it's it's a bit Adam D of Killswitch Engage, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. It is, but if you know if you're if you're disturbed and you've got this persona of being really serious, talk about serious stuff, and then you have David Draymond's Twitter. Unfortunately, in the end, I just, the the most sem- sensible thing to do is stop paying attention to what they're actually talking about and just pay attention to what you think of it. Pretty uh, much. Which is how yeah. we ended up with you know me taking facade to be a song about being in the closet. There you go. I've probably driven us up a blind alley we can't possibly get ourselves out of without the I worst segue in history so it's po- we should possibly end things there uh, yeah. because that's definitely enough for one week um i was wondering if that was going to happen yeah unfortunately it is <laughs> it snuck up on me a little bit because i'm of the generation who heard that when it was new i i i learned to do that song on go i can just like whip it out whenever i want no that's not a good way of phrasing that let's move on very quickly um <laughs> Like your man from Unearth. Uh, yes. No. No. <laughs> no. Definitely not. Um, moving really swiftly on, because uh, I can hear a kitten in the background. Oh, and yeah, I'm sorry. Get, I, I need to see the kitten. She's getting very needy. Oh, how awful for you. Um, <laughs> Joe, uh, delightful to share voice over IP with you as always. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was an interesting one this week. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> the edit's going to be fun for this. Um, oh, yeah. Good luck. Uh, but goodbye for this week, and uh, remember everyone, it does get better, and listen to Slayer. Or on Earth.